Hello, and welcome to our weekly message. In today's message, we have a guest speaker bringing an update on how God is at work around the world. This week's message is titled, God's Heart for the Nations. Well, it's good to be here. It always uh, feels like coming home when we come to Harvest Hills Alliance Church. Hard to believe I was the youth pastor here back in, when did we start? 1995, six? Yep, 1996. Yeah, a lot of things have happened since 1996. Many of you were not even a thought in 1996, but here we are. Uh, But it is is great to be here, and um, thank you, Myron, for the opportunity. Myron and I go way back. He mentioned, yeah, we we were both at uh, the youth group at First Alliance Church back in the 1980s. And um, Myron and I have had friendship for many years since that time. I won't tell you some of the things we used to do together. You can ask him later. Um, He had a little, uh, was it a Toyota, that little blue truck? Do you remember it? Datsun. Okay, yeah, we had some fun using that truck, doing different things. Um, Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. We love you, Lord Jesus. Um, You are worthy of our worship. And I I pray that as we just share together your work, uh, what you're doing around the world, um, I I pray that the name of Jesus would be exalted. And it's in his name we pray, amen. There are more than 1,600 verses in the Bible that show God's passion for his glory to be enjoyed by all the nations, every people group on earth, from the first book of the Bible unto the last. We see it in Genesis, in chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we read it in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God has a heart for the nations. He desires his church to be a global people with a heart for the nations as well. The Bible is a missionary book featuring a missionary God whose will and purpose is to call and create a missionary people. The missionary theme ties every Bible book, theme, and motive from beginning to end together. God is the primary missionary. Mission originates in the very character of God. God is personal. He is a seeker of lost humanity. He is a sufferer whose eyes see and ears hear and hands feel. If mission is part of the nature of God, then to commit to God means to become a missionary. 
After 24 years of pastoral ministry here in Canada, almost 14 years ago, Karen and I and two of our three children moved to Southeast Asia to pastor Penang International Church. The International Church had people from 20 to 30 different nations, and it's been a joy to serve thousands of people from many different nations over these last number of years. We both feel like it was a small taste of heaven, worshiping with all of the nations together. We finished our role as the pastoral couple at the church on May 15th. And over the last few months, Karen and I have done a lot of reflecting on some of the people we had the privilege to meet and introduce to Jesus over these years. I think of Michael, a German man who met Jesus and vowed to take Jesus back to his small village in Germany. I think of Saeed, who met Jesus and was baptized and faced immense persecution as he was from Egypt. I think of Rolf, a German man who was in our city on business. And on his first Sunday, he came up to me and said, while me and my family are here, we would like to meet Jesus. Can you help me? Rolf and his family met Jesus in Southeast Asia. I'm thankful for Marjan, a student from Iran who came to our city uh, and, and met Jesus. And on her final Sunday, she asked if she could be baptized. So our, our church facility, it's just a, a storefront. We aren't set up for baptism, baptismal services, but we got some towels, we got some pitchers of water, and uh, she confessed Christ as her king, and we baptized her the day before she set off on the next chapter of her journey. I think of James, a Scottish man, who came to our city and met Jesus shortly before he was diagnosed with cancer. Karen and I would meet with he and his wife, and we baptized him, and now he is with Jesus. I think of Natalia from a Ukrainian Catholic background who came to our church and had a profound encounter with the Lord Jesus. And she, she met him in a new and fresh way, and, and she has recently moved from the UK to Australia and is walking with Jesus there. I'm thankful for a couple of the young Rohingya men who met Jesus through our ministry in Southeast Asia, and we baptized them a few years ago, and they continue to take Jesus to their people in our city. I'm thankful for Amanul, a Muslim background believer who came to our church from Bangladesh, and he got involved in our ministry to migrant workers, and God used Amanul to introduce dozens of Bengali and Rohingya men to Jesus. I'm thankful for Dan and Melissa, who had a significant encounter with Jesus in our city, and they are now seeking to reach Muslims in South Thailand. I'm thankful for Tim and Amanda, a, a couple who are working as engineers for an oil and gas company. And they noticed all of the migrant workers. They heard me talk about the migrant workers very regularly. And they began to point many migrant workers to Jesus. In the midst of their work, um, they, they saw the needs of the migrant workers and they began to meet with them and point many of them to Jesus. In the midst of their work with those migrant workers, they had an encounter with Jesus and they left their engineering jobs 
to go to North India where they are now working amongst the poor and the marginalized. Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And he is building his church globally. I recently read an inspiring and challenging book called Pioneering Movements by Steve Addison. And it's so inspiring to read about how God is building his church around the world today and how hundreds of thousands of people are confessing Christ as their king. And he is building his church. Jesus didn't want a Jewish church, a Roman church, a Greek church, a Canadian church, a Chinese church. He wanted a global church that would include people from every tribe and nation from the face of the earth. God's plan to accomplish that goal is very simple. He uses ordinary people like you and me, filled with the Spirit of God, living authentic lives, loving people in Jesus' name, putting a towel around our waist, and serving people and introducing them to Jesus, one person at a time making disciples who love God and love our neighbors. That that is the role for every follower of Christ around the world today. The only difference between you, Harvest Hills Church, and Karen and I is where God has called us. We are living and serving in Malaysia. You are here in north central Calgary and surrounding areas. We have the same calling to make disciples of all people groups. Church, we need to constantly come back to the mission Jesus has called us to because it's easy for us to turn inward and simply be providers of religious goods and services for those of us who already know Jesus. We need to understand that mission is not something we do, it is who we are. We're all on mission with Jesus every day. That is what being the church is. Walking with Jesus on every step of our journey and introducing people to him as we walk this earth. God himself is the source of mission. Mission is rooted in the very nature of God. In Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, God pursued Adam. And he continues to pursue the nations today. It is the church's mission to take the gospel of Jesus to all people groups, all nations. Everybody needs to hear of who Jesus is. As I mentioned, mission is not a human invention. So when we think in terms of what our mission is as his church, the first question we need to ask is, how did God do it? And the best answer to that question is found in the incarnation of Jesus. God became a human being and brought the message and ministry of God's love to all creation. Jesus was humble, not regarding equality with God, something to be grasped, according to Philippians 2. He didn't come as a great military genius, but he came in peace and humility. He did not come to be a dictator demanding our allegiance, but he came as a baby He grew up in a small town. He learned carpentry. He didn't have a great education. God became one of us. Jesus spoke 
simply. And yet he spoke with power and authority. He was a man of integrity. He was compassionate. He visited the sick. Jesus loved people. He cared about the outcasts and the unwanted. He loved and cared for lepers and prostitutes and invalids, the diseased, the demon-possessed, the hated tax collectors. He, he loved all ethnicities. He loved sinners. And Jesus always started his ministry where they were, not where he was. Jesus was never quick to condemn. The creator of the universe has been pursuing a relationship with all of us. He's given us the example that we should follow in how we relate to people who don't yet know him. Ten years ago, the church I pastored in Penang uh, began a ministry to the Rohingya. A couple of years ago, the UN designated the Rohingya as the most persecuted people group in the world. I'd never heard of them until 2012 when I decided I wanted to meet some of the migrant workers that lived on our island. Near to our home, there was a shanty town of between three and 5,000 uh, migrant workers. It's where they lived. They were cardboard and plywood shacks. It's where they lived, and so every Sunday night I would go and I would just wander around and I would look for people that I could talk to and just begin to develop relationship. On the very first night, I met many young Rohingya men, and that began a work that we are still involved in today. Let me give you just a very brief history of these people if you've never heard of them before. The Rohingya people are a distinct ethnic group in Myanmar, and they are Muslims. To be a Rohingya is to be a Muslim, that's their identity. The Rohingya people see themselves as citizens of Myanmar with the Rohingya uh, first coming to Myanmar around the 8th century when Islam first came into that region. Despite the, the history of the Rohingya having nationality and, and heritage within Myanmar, they're considered by the rest of the country as non-citizens living within Myanmar. The Burmese government, or the Myanmar government in 1982 brought in a, the Burma Citizenship Act and the Rohingya were excluded from that act. And so they were, they were persecuted in that country. Um, the, the stipulations of the law prevented them from having any rights as citizens. They, um, even though they claimed ancestry, ancestry in Myanmar back to the 8th century, there's great animosity shown to the Rohingya because of the fact that they are a Muslim people group living in a predominantly Buddhist nation where they differ from the majority people ethnically, linguistically, and religiously. I've been told many stories of how difficult life was for the Rohingya in Myanmar. They didn't have freedom of movement. They couldn't get jobs. They needed government permission to get married. They couldn't even go visit family members in their next village without government per permission. And their desperation grew. And they heard of boats that you could pay large sums of money to human traffickers to escape. And so many young men began to flee Myanmar in hopes of a better life. Many fled to Bangladesh 
and there was a steady flow of boats filled with desperate Rohingya people coming into Malaysia as well. Many thought that they would have the possibility of a better life living in our country because it is, it, it's a Muslim country. And we started a work amongst these people. We started uh, Nations Learning Center and we began, and they began to tell us stories of their life in Myanmar, their journeys with human traffickers, the awful conditions on the boats, and what and how difficult and terrible life is for them in Malaysia. All the young men that we work with are highly traumatized from their journey to Malaysia. And now upon arrival in the country we live, things are very difficult. Many of them were able to work in the underground economy building luxury condos in our city. They worked what are called the triple D jobs, the dangerous, dirty, and demeaning jobs. These are jobs that most local people would not do. And so foreign workers are brought in to do them, some of them legally, but many of them illegally. The stories of long hours with no breaks, terrible living conditions, no safety standards on the work sites, bosses not paying workers, and the workers having no recourse to, to get their wages because they're in the country illegally. Those stories were very common. And the Lord has allowed us to build relationships with hundreds and hundreds of young Rohingya men over the last 10 years. Since the end of COVID-19 lockdowns, where we, we were locked in our homes for months at a time, literally locked in our homes, we, you would get arrested if you went out for a walk, um, since the end of those lockdowns, we started up our conversational English classes again on Sunday evenings. Uh, those, that's a group of the guys that, that I work with. And we, we play Uno. We talk about life. We talk about their families in refugee camps in Bangladesh. And we talk about Jesus. Ayub and I have known each other for almost 10 years now. He was one of our first students at the Nations Learning Center. He's always been a gentle and kind young man, and like most others, he has a painful story of his journey to our country and the many difficulties he's faced in Malaysia over the last 10 years. He comes to class every week, and some of our volunteers and myself have spent many hours with him, telling him about Jesus and simply coming alongside him to love him and serve him. Seven years ago, Ayub had an accident at a work at work and a nail got lodged in his left eye. Uh, because migrant workers don't have any rights in our country, his, his employer did nothing for him. And he called on us. We were able to, to help him get surgery through Doctors Without Borders. Um, a, a few months ago, he needed surgery again, or he was in danger of losing the sight in his eye. My friend Ben and I have been able to help him, and, and he had a second surgery. That's a picture he sent me from, from his hospital bed. And his eye is slowly healing. He's so thankful for how we care for him. He's a devout Muslim, but he is very intrigued by Jesus. And we've had many great conversations of how deeply he is loved by Jesus. So would you 
pray for Ayub. Another of our students is Rahim. I met Rahim six years ago at one of our classes, and he has been so faithful in attending and trying to, to get many of his friends to join us. During the lockdowns, we were able to provide food for him every week for quite a few months. He mentioned many times how he wouldn't have survived if we didn't help him during the COVID lockdowns in our country. Last September, I received an excited call from Rahim that he was getting married and asked if I would go to the wedding. And of course, I was honored to go. One of the interesting things our team is facing these days is that many young women are being trafficked to our country now in order to become the wives of the young men that we have been working with over the last few years. Girls as young as 12 and 13 years old are being trafficked to Malaysia to become child brides. It's tragic. I went and met Rahim and his new and very young wife, Muslima. I heard her story and Rahim gave me permission to be able to tell this story while we were back here in Canada. Rahim and her parents are in refugee camps in Bangladesh and they made arrangements um, and a dowry was paid in the form of gold. And young Muslima got on a boat and spent four months on that boat. Imagine being this young girl being sent to a country to meet a stranger who is to become her husband. Then the trauma of the journey. They arrived in Indonesia and she was stuck there until the traffickers could find another boat to get her into our country. This is in the middle of the COVID lockdowns where our borders were closed, but the human traffickers were finding ways to get people into our country. It took her around six to seven months to finally arrive and meet Rahim. They met one day and then were married the next. And this young girl is now in her new home among a group of strangers. We think she's 14 years old. We're, we're not sure. And this story is happening over and over and over again. I've had numerous calls over the last five or six months asking for help as many of these young brides who are being trafficked to our, our country have been caught by the police or immigration officials and they are now in detention. And the young men I work with want help to get their future wives out of jail. It's tragic. And the heartbreak it just seems to be never-ending. Another young man I've told you about is Johnny. He continues to go and tell his friends about Jesus. He goes and reads the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John and talks about Jesus with them. He called me in October to join him in baptizing two of his Rohingya friends. Johnny was also recently married and he was so disappointed that I couldn't go and meet his new bride uh, before I came back to Canada. But church, I want to tell you that God is at work. Please pray for the Rohingya people. Please pray for these young men, Hayad, Mukhtar, Muhammad Islam, Noor Kabir. Please pray that they would have a personal encounter with Jesus. On the night before Ramadan started, I, I told them, I, I said, 
guys, I'm going to pray for you that Jesus will appear to you in dreams and visions during Ramadan because it's a time when they're really open. Um, I, I want you to be encouraged, church, that, that God is building his church around the world. Here in Canada these days, I hear a lot of news of people walking away from Jesus and the church, but there are amazing things happening around the world. It's easy sometimes just to get focused on the everyday stuff of life, but I ask you, church, to look up, look around. God has brought the nations to Canada. People are coming to Canada from nations that missionaries could never get into. God is at work. He's building his church. And all of us have the privilege of being a part of God building his church around the world. I want to thank you, uh, Harvest Hills, for your partnership in the gospel. Um, many of you, we've, Karen and I have been friends with many of you for over 20 years. It's amazing to think that. Um, but we are thankful for you. We're thankful for the partnership that you have with us for what God has called us to in Malaysia. As I mentioned earlier, we finished on May 15th our role as the pastoral couple at Penang International Church, and we're in a time of waiting on God to see what is next. We could end up in Penang, we could end up in North Africa, we could end up in Calgary, we, we don't know. We're seeking God's direction for, for what is next. And we would appreciate uh, your prayers. We, I have prayer cards up here on the table. Um, if, if you don't yet receive our weekly newsletter, Thursday with the Thorns, Karen's been doing that for 13 and a half years. Um, we put done it this way. We've had sign-up sheets in the past, but nobody in this room but other people have very bad handwriting and we, we have sent emails to wrong addresses. So if you would like to receive Thursday with the Thorns, um, Karen's uh, phone number is there. You can send just a text message to Karen with your name and your email address, and we will add you to our list. Um, we're, she's not doing it through our home assignment every once in a while, but generally once we're back in Malaysia or wherever God has us next, it will be weekly again. And so we invite you to, to partner with us again and just to keep in touch as to what God is doing. Thank you, church. It's great, great for Karen and I to be here. Uh, Sherry and the team are going to come and lead us in worship. Thank you for joining us for our weekly message. Our God is a missionary God that calls us to be a partner in his work we all have the high calling of representing and sharing the hope and love of Jesus to wherever he has called us to live. What a privilege. Continue to lift our international workers up in prayer as they have a very specific and hard calling of representing Jesus in difficult places. On behalf of the Harvest Hills Alliance Church and the Alliance Canada, let me thank you for your support of our international workers. They thank you as together we partner with them being the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus. Now these words from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 
May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day in the context that Jesus calls you to live and to serve, to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.